You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Allison Renborg from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And you're listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 20th. This episode is brought to you by Equine Affair. Good morning, horse world. It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode. North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering. Well, Allison, it's good to have you back. We love having you here. Of course, the Equine Affair is every third Thursday of the month. So how long now? Your your next one is coming up in Massachusetts in November, right? Yes, November 9th through 12th, 2023. It's going to be here like, I know it's probably, what, three months away, but it, it's going to be here any minute. Okay, the Two fact that November is only three months away, <laughs> that's kind of scary. I know, then it'll be Christmas, and then... <laughs> that is kind of scary. So, what, you, I assume you guys are in full planning mode, and I know we're going to talk about one of the things that you have going in November. Yes, we are in full planning mode. We're pulling all the details and crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's, and we're we look like ducks we're very calm on the surface but underneath we're paddling like crazy (laughs) um and then of course trying every minute that something gets confirmed then i'm turning around and figuring out how to promote it um all by myself me (laughs) So, so it's fun well and you have a spectacular olympian on as the guest today I know. Uh, so I, I had to do the interview without you, and I'm sorry about that, but it was incredible. Yes. Who's coming up? Um, it's Stefan Peters of Rave Horse fame. If you guys remember, uh, was it just a couple of years ago? Um, the whole craze of Mopsy, Stefan Peters' horse, dancing to some incredibly good beats, um, took the world by storm. And so that's who we have on the show today. And he has competed in five Olympic Games. Um, and we talked a little about a little bit about Paris 2024 and even Los Angeles 2028. Uh, so yeah, yeah, and he lives out that way. If I remember, right. he lives in California. He does. Yeah. Yep. He and his wife have uh, S. Peter's dressage out there. I can't wait to hear that interview. He's always a great interview, and you caught him at the end of the day, so he was probably a little more relaxed uh, and not so stressed about getting on the next horse. Yeah, he was very chill. He was on his couch and like just... We went with the flow. It was it was nice. Did you... You don't have to mention what they are. We'll keep that a secret. But did you talk to him about some of his unusual hobbies? Uh, We did. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can't wait to hear that, too. <laughs> and you all have to listen to his interview to find out what they are, but they're unusual. Yes. It's not. There's not too many in the horse world that do his hobbies. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. It was so cool. And he's one of the pros that are going to be in Ride with a Pro program. Tell us about that. Yes. So... I think we've talked about it on the show, but it's been a while. So Ride With a Pro is, I think, one of the most exciting things about working with an expo because it gives ordinary riders, you know, like you and me, or drivers, as the case may be, the chance to work with 
cool people like Stefan Peters. I mean, good grief. So the, the way that it works is, of course, we have a huge clinic program. We've got clinics going all day, every day at the event. And about half of those have opportunities for horses and riders to actually participate in and receive individual instruction or training from some of our presenters. Um, and it's just a really cool opportunity. I have talked with during my years with the event, I've talked to people who've ridden in the clinics and I've talked to the clinicians who do the actual teaching and everybody loves it. It's really just a fun fun program, you know, that keeps things fresh for the clinicians. And then, you know, I mean, I would give my left arm to get a riding lesson from Stefan Peters, right? Right, so, right. <laughs> um, and so this year, I kind of wanted to touch on the lineup because we have such a cool lineup for this fall. Um, our general training and horsemanship clinicians, we've already been announcing this, so it's not news, but this is the first chance to really share it on the podcast. But it's Mike Major, Julie Goodnight, Jason Irwin, Brandy Lyons, and Chelsea Kennedy. And they're all accepting riders this year. And then we have specific discipline clinicians who are accepting riders like Stefan Peters and Philip Dutton for you adventurers out there. Um, Jean McDonald for dressage as well. Greg Robinson for ranch horse versatility. Stacy Gear for driving. I, I specifically made a note of that because I thought you'd be interested, even though you're not coming. <laughs> um and then, of course, Bronwyn Irwin for pole bending. I mean, we just have a whole, basically, if you ride a horse in any particular discipline, there's an opportunity for you to, you know, apply and maybe get to ride with some of these people. And that's really cool. You know, who I really enjoyed talking to, and we I did an interview with him at the last equine affair, but I also ended up talking to him for about an hour after, and we've touched base a couple times since, is Jason and Bronwyn Irwin. Yes. They're such cool couple. They're so they're a power couple. Yeah, they like. definitely are, and and they're just the nicest people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're really so are. sweet. They're so sweet, and they're like always like, "Are you okay? How are you doing?" And it's like you feel cared about. Yes, they're yeah. they're just that way. They really are. Yeah. You know, I always say we like to hire hosts that are huggable, and they fit <laughs> that criteria. They're just like huggable. You know, <laughs> it's like it's funny, but that describes them. <laughs> That's a great. I, can I put Huggable on my LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, you like can put that skill? on your yeah uh, on your LinkedIn skills. Okay. Yeah, I, there should be one actually. Uh, I think that. it should be. I, maybe yeah. not after a pandemic, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> in a post-COVID world, yes. there is Huggable an asset? That's the so, next article. So anybody coming can can ride with one of. Do you have to have your own horse? How's all that work? Yeah, you do have to have your own horse, um, and you do have to apply ahead of time. So. Okay. Um, the way it works is that you visit our website and we will put the link in the show notes because the applications will be live by the time of the show. By the, by the time you're listening to this, there will be application materials. Um, and so you'll need to fill out the application. You have to provide a written description of you and your horse's history and training and riding experience. And then some of our clinicians like to see video and that'll be in the summary on the website. So you'll know if you need to film a video and it doesn't have to be anything super fancy. Get your trainer or your friend to get your cell phone out, you know, plant, plant their feet and take a video of you. Uh, you don't have to hire a videographer. 
Uh, and so you apply by September the 8th. So we have lots of time. Um, the application fee per clinic this year, it used to vary, but this year it's a flat fee. It's 105 And that includes participating in the clinic, admission to the event the day of your clinic, 24 hours of stabling, and a free t-shirt. Um, and if they, what, if they apply and aren't accepted, they don't owe the fee. Uh, right. Okay. <clears throat> yes, that gets refunded back to you. Okay. And so then we, we send all the applications to the clinicians. They make their selections. Once we hear back from our clinicians, we notify you whether you were selected or not in early October. Um, and there is a whole timeline leaflet on the website. So you don't have to wonder like, oh my gosh, it's October the 2nd and I haven't heard anything. You will hear something regardless of what happens. <clears throat> and so, yeah, and that's, that's the process. Very good. And, and now how do you, is it very how many get to uh, be in each one? Yeah, typically. So we've part of the details that I mentioned earlier today that we're still ironing out are we talk to each clinician, we find out how many riders do you want per clinic? Um, are you looking for anything specific? I think that's the cool thing is you don't have to be a top level rider to ride in one of these clinics. You might have a specific problem that you're working with or your horse might be working with that a clinician actually wants you to have. So maybe it's you can't pick up the left lead or you're always messing up your half pass or whatever it may be. Um, sometimes they're looking for specific problems and all that information will be on the website and you can go, oh, hey, I have this problem and they want me. Um, so and and then all levels are welcome to apply, you know. Just make sure you're comfortable riding in front of a crowd because you're riding in front of a crowd because you're at Equine Affair. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Especially Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. That's right. the only, you know, thing. It's like, oh, do you want to ride in the Coliseum? Well. <laughs> well, and of course, a little bit later in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Stefan Peters, Olympian, who is one of those people you can ride with. But first, we're going to be talking to the sponsor of this particular segment of Equine Affair. And uh, her name is Kimberly Chick, and she is with Fairhill Saddlery. And I'm pretty sure I've been to Fairhill Saddlery a time or two. Uh, and I also did want to remind everybody, tickets for Equine Affair in Massachusetts are now on sale at equineaffair.com. Go online today to purchase general admission tickets and tickets to Fantasia, Equine Affair's musical celebration of the horse. And make your plans to join us at Eastern States Expo in West Spring. Springfield, Massachusetts, November 9th through the 12th. It's the 25th anniversary of Equine Affair in Massachusetts, and we're pulling out all the stops to make it an extra special party. And one of the companies helping to do that is Fair Hill Saddlery. Kimberly, it's so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. This is bringing back a lot of memories, Kimberly, because I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and I'm a horse husband, so I met my wife, who was a pony clubber and an inventor. And, of course, one of the places we had to get up at 2 in the morning to head to from central Pennsylvania was Fair Hill for all of the events oh. down there. Um, mm -hmm. So I have fond and not-so-fond memories of Fair Hill as a horse <laughs> Absolutely. <husband. laughs> 
And I remember being, because I was so new. This is 35, almost 40 years ago now. I was so new to the horse thing. And then, of course, I, you know, I, I'm, I am uh, dating this eventer who jumps big jumps. And that was just terrifying as a new horse husband. It really was. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I also worked, you know, with Bitter Britain and down in that area a lot. And we lived in Elkton, uh, where Fairhill Saturday is right, right outside of Elkton. So, and you, the Fairhill Saturday is fairly new, right? It is. We just opened um, November of 2019, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, actually. I was just going to so, say, there's good timing for you. <laughs> Great timing. Yay. It was. I mean, we launched our website, kind of hurried, you know, in a, in a fast way, faster than we had kind of anticipated. But um, we were very lucky because we sell hay feed and bedding we were able to stay open so uh we were able to just start growing almost immediately and uh we're very you know the pandemic was devastating for so many but it almost was a blessing to us because we were able to work in our community and keep our um you know all of our horsemen in our area afloat I, i don't know i have a little story about that we decided to do a horseman's relief fund so for, through COVID, if um, a horseman was in need, we gave back 10% of purchases uh, that were kind of made under that trainer's name. We gave it back in cash so they could use it however they needed to feed hay bedding, equipment, supplies, vet bills. Just as horsemen, we were all struggling through the pandemic. So in a way to give back, we developed that program at the store, and it was a huge success to the, our local community. That's fantastic, especially being that you were so new, too. Uh, you know, that you were able to do that is, is really cool. And then you guys now, I mean, you've been traveling to shows. We're talking about Equine Affair and what you're sponsoring up there. But you've been all over the place, right? And, you, and then, luckily, right in your backyard, they dumped a five-star event. It, yeah, it was unreal. Um, it, I, we say it's divine intervention. <laughs> Three or four days after we signed um, the sales paper for the 35 acres that the store is on, they announced that Fairhill was selected for the five star. So <laughs> it was like the ink was still drawing on the paperwork. And then they just dumped this magnificent event in our backyard which is two miles almost to a T from our doorstep. Oh, wow. So we're super lucky. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. And you know what? There were there always stores down around there, but nothing really like next door. Correct. And nothing, you know, everybody's done a great job, and we're grateful for the support that they've given the community through the years. But we're almost 10,000 square feet of shopping, and we cover almost... A, all the major disciplines you could think of. So it's been, it's becoming kind of a shopping Mecca for uh, our area. And we have people that are driving four to six hours to come shop with us just because of the selection that we have. Well, congratulations. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank that is you. really cool. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always love. We had our own tech business too. So I know, I know what starting a tech business is like. And yeah. I know that a lot of them have gone out of business in, in the last three or four years. And here you are brand new and you're, you're killing it. I love that. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> So now you guys decided to sponsor something at Equine Affair, and you chose Ride with a Pro. Why did you choose that particular program to sponsor? Well, the uh, teaching and 
uh, working with riders and help developing them and their skills is very near to me. I'm a educator by trade. I have a master's degree in education. So anytime there's learning involved, it kind of piques my interest and I try to find a way to be part of it because I believe in teaching and developing people. So when I saw the Ride with a Pro and after watching it last year at Equine Affair, we selected that as the program to sponsor just because I believe in rider education and, and rider growth in that way. And that's personal to you because you're a, you're a rider, right? Tell us a little bit about yeah. your riding experience. Oh, goodness. Uh, I started at a young age in Pony Club. Um, and at that time, we weren't, Pony Club wasn't as flexible as it is now. So when the jumps, you know, started getting too big for me and my pony to see to the other side, um, I left. So I was uh, eighth grade, I believe, when I left. And then I started showing in the hunter equitation world and competed uh, on the circuit all the way through my adult amateur years. And then in 2005, I was hired by Delaware State University, which is the first uh, HBCU in the nation to offer Division I equestrian as a sport. So I coached that team for three three years and uh, then have just stayed a coach and a trainer. And now I'm the DC of my pony club that I was in as a child and am helping develop those new riders um, and I'm lucky that my oldest and youngest are also members of the Pony Club. So trying to can pass the torch and continue that love of horse knowledge and care and riding and, uh, you know, instilling those Pony Club values that I feel are key to developing good horsemen. So, yeah, I, the education part is huge for me. So, yeah. Well, that's, <clears throat> that's incredible. And you're so integrated in your industry, which I think... You almost have to be if you're going to start a new tack business, especially with the timing that happened to you, you have to be integrated and like have your fingers on the pulse of the industry. And you clearly do. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. I um, I really am focused on safety uh, mm -hmm. with with rider safety. So I do a lot of um, work with different organizations to do helmet training and education, um, safety vest training and education. I do a lot of Zoom calls with just anybody who needs support fitting helmets and vests. There's a lot of people who live in areas that don't have a physical tax shop that they can go to. Right. So um, my name has been passed around and I get a lot of calls to do Zoom. So we go over helmet fit and check the fit and I work with people whenever uh, because I not only do I believe in education, but I also believe in safety. So it's one of those things that I'm trying to help the industry grow uh, in that safety knowledge. Well, and that's that's really admirable because I, I can't tell you um, how often we'll see pictures on social media, right, of people wearing helmets. And if your helmet is the least bit not correctly fitted, someone's going to comment and it's going to be talked about. Um, and I, you see yeah. a lot of that. You see a lot of sloppy helmet use and it's like, mm -hmm. great that you're wearing it. Like, great job. Wear the helmet, but let's, can we fine tune it a little bit so that it actually absolutely. protects your head? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
uh, and for Pony Club, I'm on the National Safety Committee um, to just nice. help broaden that awareness. And at any event that I'm at with Pony Club, I do the helmet fit checks and, you know, do some education as fast as I can to, because a lot uh, my husband came from the Western side of the industry and they don't wear helmets like we do on the English mm-hmm. side. So mm-hmm. he still is like, Oh, just get a helmet and you're good to go. And I'm like, no, there's a process. And like with our own children, I'm very particular about what I put on their head. He had multiple concussions as a child before, mm-hmm. you know, the helmet standards really grew. I don't want that for somebody else. So any chance I get to do some helmet education and safety education, I'm, I dive right in probably more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay because you're also one selling them. So, I mean, it, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you are that conscious about it. Yeah. Uh, well, where can, can people buy your products online? Absolutely. Our website is fairhillsaddlery.com. Super easy. Fairhillsaddlery.com. And of course, if you're going to Fairhill, what is it in October? The five star? The five-star is the third week of October. Yep. If you're going there, you'll see Fairhill Saddlery there. And, of course, you you guys are going to be at Equine Affair, too? Absolutely. We're going to be in two spots. And remember the names of the two buildings, but um, we're going to be in two separate buildings. One is going to be all of the deals that we had last year. So lots of great shopping, good Christmas gifts, um, lots of clothing. And then our other, which I believe maybe the young building, if I'm correct, is going to be where we have, we're going to bring a slew of helmets, a slew of safety vests, uh, footwear, and some higher end clothing to kind of meet the needs that we heard from customers last year. They were looking for certain items and we said, you know what, we got you for next year. So we're going to be bringing up all the good stuff this year. Kimberly's not an overachiever. She's going to have two booths at Equine Affair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's incredible. Let's open our business and three years later just take over the place. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, go big or go home, right? <laughs> Agree. I agree. I like so, I'm very yeah. proud of you. At a time when everybody is getting out, you got in and you're making it work. So good job. It is uh, fairhillsaddlery.com, right? Yes, that's it. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. Bluegrass Animal Products Equiotic is a live daily probiotic supplement for your horse. Equiotic is the only probiotic sourced from horses' good gut bacteria. This allows the good gut bacteria to survive in the GI tract. Veterinarian developed and recommended, Equiotic is trusted by horse professionals to keep their horses feeling the best. From the top competition horse to the backyard companion, Equiotic can help to keep your horse's sensitive GI tract feeling good. To learn more and order Equiotic today, go to bluegrassanimalproducts.com and use the coupon code HRN for 15% off Equiotic packets and paste. Equiotic is also available at many retailers, including Smart Pack and Chewy, but the coupon HRN is only available at bluegrassanimalproducts.com. Stefan Peters has competed in five Olympic Games as a member of the USA equestrian team and countless other high-level dressage competitions, and his fame in the horse industry as a dressage rider is well-established. In 2021, Stefan and his horse Mopsy rode to fame outside the horse industry thanks to Stefan's incredible music choices and Mopsy's smooth dance moves as, you guessed it, Rave Horse. Do yourselves a favor and rewatch Mopsy's hashtag Rave Horse video while I get the chance to chat with Stefan about all kinds of cool stuff. So let's welcome Stefan to the show. Well, hi, Stefan. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. 
Sure, my pleasure. Always good to talk to the Equine Affair. Yes, sir. So Kogi was telling me that this is your 11th Equine Affair with us this fall. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. That's um, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know, you time have... <laughs> flies, but you have a good time. So that's great. Right. Like we, um, our event in Massachusetts is turning 25 this fall. So we're having oh. a, a big party um, to celebrate that. And so it's really fun that not only is it our 25th, but you'll have been with us for like close to half of those, which is crazy. Wonderful. Yeah. That is great. Yeah. So uh, we're here to talk about horses, obviously, and I have all kinds of horsey questions for you, but I sure. wanted to ask you first about your glider obsession. Do you, <laughs> you have a thing for gliders? Yeah, pretty much anything with wings. <laughs> I just, um, Even when I'm on a horse and <clears throat> very focused, if there's an airplane above, um, we live pretty close to uh, Miramar, Fighter Town. I mean, I, I, I always have to take a look, so... Uh, quite fascinated with airplanes in general. And then your gliders, you're, they're not the type that you go up in. They're the type you remote control from the ground, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. They're um, quite large gliders. Um, I have one that's a little bit over 10 meters of uh, wingspans, 30 feet. And we tow them up with uh, gas-powered airplanes. And then we just look for where birds circle, find some thermals. In other words, some warm air and mm -hmm. um, keep those things airborne for about two, two and a half hours. And so it's very, does, very relaxing. Does it have a camera on it? Um, usually what we do when we record some videos for, for a YouTube channel, we fly drones mm -hmm. uh, behind, above and underneath the gliders and we record video uh, footage that way. But yes, we can put cameras inside of them. Wow. And so are you in the airplane or are you on the ground? I'm on the ground. Okay. Okay. Because the reason the reason for that is I love the any aesthetics of an airplane. And mm -hmm. um, if I make a mistake with a remote control, most likely I'll survive that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we want that. In a glider. <laughs> yeah. And I enjoy being in a glider myself. It's a it's a big sport in Germany and I when I'm over there in the summer, I do fly some gliders with a, you know, with a experienced pilot. But mm -hmm. I honestly enjoy watching the airplanes more than being inside of them. That's so cool. Um, where I where my parents live, they're sort of out in the country down south in Tennessee, and uh, we see a lot of small airplanes and small biplanes, and we see someone a manned glider go over quite often, and my mom calls him Birdman. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I was thinking about that when I read about yeah, you having gliders, but that's fun. And so you said anything winged. So are you a bird watcher too? Um, any large birds, you know, okay. for, for sure. When they find some thermals over our property, um, it is just very, very beautiful to watch. It looks very effortless. You know, there's a lot of flow in their, in their life. And that's, um, that's what I enjoy so much. Anytime I'm myself in the flow stage, mm -hmm. it is uh, it's a really neat feeling. Time goes away and um, thinking becomes very easily. And, you know, so many people call us adrenaline junkies, but that's definitely not the case. I'm a, I'm a flow junkie. <laughs> and what is, when you're saying flow, are you just thinking about like 
literally going with the flow or are you talking about something else? Yeah, literally going with the flow. Okay. You know, um, it's it's something that I learned over the years. You know, life has so many variations. And if we mm. resist that, it's um, it's never a good thing. We, we block so much energy. But if we go with the flow and with all the ups and downs of life, um, life is quite enjoyable. Yeah. So sort of maintaining a calm, a calm center and, and staying steady no yeah. matter what happens. Exactly. It's yeah. something that I had to learn and something that I learned a little bit too late, but at least I learned it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I would say that I'm trying to learn it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to learn it myself. It's really hard. Sometimes I can do that. And then other times I'm just like pulled every which way all the time. Um, but then yeah. I think, man, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was really calm and going with it. And today I'm just yes. not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's um, I find it so important to give our mind a time out. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like to me, like any other muscle, uh, it needs to rest. And yeah. um, I, I always thought, you know, with so many competitions and constantly showing and back and forth to Europe that this is um, how it's always going to be. But uh, my mind told me very quickly and my body told me, hey, we're not doing that anymore. We know you're almost 60. So <laughs> there is that time for some serious meditation and some serious time out. Yeah. And that kind of flows flows uh, really nicely into what I was kind of thinking, which is that you have competed in five Olympic Games yeah, and so many other intense high-level competitions. Um, I can't imagine living with that kind of stress all the time without finding that coping mechanism. So how do you take care of your mental health when you're competing and when you're flying like you were talking about from here to europe and all of that is that that whole going with the flow is that part of it yes that's definitely going with it and my biggest challenge um, during the competition was always sleeping um i wasn't a good sleeper and um, anytime i woke up i got somewhat irritated that i only have an hour or two left to get some sleep mm -hmm. that can't be enough for the show you know, so just the whole thing that I worried about not sleeping and worried about so many things um, was very destructive. I mean, it was very counterproductive. So um, this whole idea of um, competing and training and getting an equal amount of rest, that's something that my body told me very seriously. And I finally learned to listen. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> and it took you, what, 60 years, 58 years? How <laughs> long? <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it was never a problem until about five or six years ago. Got it. And yeah. uh, then I noticed, just like what you said before, you know, stressful situations um, lingered. And, mm. you know, I wasn't able to calm down quickly enough. And it's part of growing old. The, the breaking mechanism, the parasympathetic nervous system is just not as strong anymore. So I had to make some serious adjustments and one big adjustment for the shows was uh, not being afraid of failing anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I was always deathly afraid of um, not doing well enough for my team or for my sponsors, for our country. And um, I'm, I'm 
much, much more at ease when things don't go well, because I know going into the competition, I did absolutely my very best to prepare myself mentally and physically. And because of that, I have to be 100% okay with the outcome. Mm -hmm. So um, when there was a disappointment, and thank God there were very few, um, it is it still hurts, but I don't allow it to um, I don't allow it to hurt longer than half an hour or forty five minutes, versus you know years ago where it would linger on for days, and then not sleeping on top of that. Of course, that can create a ton of anxiety, and I've been um, very open about dealing with anxiety and um, slowly figuring out um, that living with anxiety is is like going with the flow. The second you start to fight it and you try to do so much about it, it usually gets worse. Yes. So <clears throat> this, this whole idea of um, being in the flow of life is, um, is working quite nicely. Well, good. Um, I love that you... I love everything you just said, and I love how open you're being about it because I know that I beat myself up when I fail, and I fail on a much, much yeah. smaller stage than you. <laughs> but I yeah, yeah. I like that you put a limit on it, that it's yes. a half hour, 45 minutes, I'm going to be upset, I'm going to cry, I'm going to yes. scream, whatever, but then it's over and yeah. I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is the million-dollar question, you know, when for anything that happens in life, I mean, it's only human to to react, especially to some negative um, situations and some sad situations. But the million dollar question is, how long do we react? And yeah. uh, that is, again, something I learned and read so many wonderful books about, um, you know, life in general. And one of my favorite books is uh, The Untethered Soul. And it's just absolutely fascinating. I read it about five times. Oh, wow. And by, by, by the fifth time, I finally got the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that change in your mindset and in your kind of the way that you are? How has that affected your relationship with your horses and how you ride? And have you noticed a difference in how your horses react to you? Well, I was always been. I've always been very patient with my horses, mm -hmm. but I've never been very patient with myself. Mm -hmm. And um, just being a little bit more lighthearted and kinder to myself, um, without the crazy workouts. I still work out every day, but um, not as intense anymore. Um, so I think my horses never really felt when there was a ton of anxiety that I brought on. Uh -huh. um, in fact, in, in Tokyo, I, I don't think I've ever been more nervous than the <laughs> Olympic Games in Tokyo. But it was uh, one of my best performances ever. So, well, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I was, I was very happy that even though I didn't feel very good, it, it turned out wonderfully. And, you know, have, bringing the silver medal home from Tokyo was, um, was so rewarding. It meant so much to me. So anything from there on, still means a lot but it felt like um there was some some destiny in tokyo that felt really wonderful and i can't still put this really 100 percent in words what uh, what my emotions were like when we um got the silver i can't imagine how it must have felt and then 
that uh, so I to prepare for this interview, of course, I went back and rewatched the videos from Tokyo. And I'm sure, you know, yeah. Rave Horse uh, had yes. watched that a few times. Uh, of yeah. course, I watched it when it happened. But um, does, when you rewatch that or do you rewatch that and do you think, oh, man, I was so anxious or do you just think, wow, look at Mopsy having a huge, great time? Yeah, now I look back at only of the positive. Um, yeah emotions the positive feeling from it and the fact that mopsy had 70 million google searches <laughs> and you know that the dressage horse all of a sudden became into the mainstream that is absolutely fantastic you know yeah. and, um from there getting a phone call from the kevin hart and snoop dogg show you know <laughs> i mean all those things were just absolutely incredible and all of that because of uh, because of a horse and horses well, that and and your music choices, but so so I don't think I knew. So they called you. They had a tell me about that. Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg called you. Yeah, the producer of Kevin Hart called me, mm -hmm. and uh, she said, um, "Stefan, you know, um, the Wave Force is a huge hit, and Kevin and Snoop Dogg they've seen it, and we were wondering if you can bring Mopsy into the studio." The <laughs> And I said, you know, I think that's a great idea because Mopsy is 18 two hands and to put Kevin Hart on Mopsy would be just a really, really awesome picture. So unfortunately, um, they called their insurance and they said, no, absolutely not. Oh, no. And, yeah, we, we can't do that. But um, the way we left it is that um, Kevin was supposed to come down here to Arroyo and sit on Mopsy. But, uh, you know, I might now thinking about this i might give the producer another call and see what we can do you should i want to see yes. everyone wants to see that picture but yes <laughs> because kevin hart is he's short he's five yeah. four. what is he do you yeah, know at, at the very most yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and of course mopsy is 18.2 hands so yeah. he's he's gigantic yeah. um yeah and, exactly <laughs> so that would be hilarious you should definitely call yeah. him and, and get that done um very yeah. good <laughs> that's amazing um and so so speaking of mopsy um which by the way i didn't know what i looked up his nickname and it means uh chubby it's a word for chubby right yes exactly yes so i think it's hilarious that a horse named nicknamed chubby basically had you said <laughs> what 7.2 million google searches or whatever i, I love it <laughs> actually uh, 70 70 70 million. okay 70 million <laughs> yes yeah so a horse named chubby 70 million chubby. yes exactly i love it um so how is he today what's what's going on with mopsy these days well we decided um after the world cup um, Akiko and uh, Debbie McDonald and the director of dressage, we all sat down and we decided that um, there's no need to send Mopsy to Europe this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be really amazing if he could uh, qualify for the Olympic Games in Paris next year. He'll be 16 at that time. Mm -hmm. And we decided it'd be a much better idea to uh, take it easy during the summer, keep working, keep training but not at a high competitive level. So we're going to pick it up again in November for our amazing West Coast um, international shows and dive all the way into the uh, selection trials. Wow. Okay. So he's getting the summer off and then back yeah. to work. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. 
I love and, you know, that. As, you, as you know, it's not so much just the competition, but, you know, traveling to Europe, that's never easy on a horse. And yeah. even though he's a good traveler, you know, we, um, we still see a little bit that, um, you know, that it takes a toll on them for the first uh, four or five days. Yeah. So um, making sure that um, he doesn't have to go through that this year uh, makes me feel very good. I bet, because um, I think they did a lot of pieces. I remember a lot of talk in the media about flying horses to Tokyo and how yes. big a production that was and how hard it was on the horses and the people. But yeah, you fly horses all over the world, you're going to see a, you know, an effect, especially when you guys are yes. working at such a high level. So I applaud yeah, you guys for for making that decision for him. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, so you're going to be... Um, competing on the West Coast this fall. And I was uh, hearing that we're having a lot more high-level dressage competitions out West. Um, and so it sounds like more dressage competitors won't have to migrate to Florida as much. How does that, is that right? Is that a, a good a evaluation of the situation? Are you excited yeah, about, a, about that? Yeah, that's a perfect evaluation. We have three additional international shows here at a um, completely remodeled um, facility with a large covered arena, um, amazing footing, um, millions of dollars were put into the renovation. Wow. Uh, the grand opening is here on July 15. Oh, wow. And we're looking forward to have um, the shows there. Um, the jumpers are going to be there already during the summer. Um, we actually have a national show there in late july and we're super excited because it is literally 10 minutes away from our farm oh that's so exciting yeah yeah that's great that's great <laughs> so you know and, and again it depends on our federation if they'd like to see us um, compete at the nation's cup or at the five-star cdi in florida then um you know i would certainly um, if it's mandatory i would certainly show up you know, but the good thing is it's so exciting to have this uh, facility and um, this show organizing committee here. Yeah, definitely. And then um, obviously we have Paris Olympics in 2024 and then 2028, the Olympics will be in Los Angeles. Is that yes. exciting for you that it's going to be so close? Yeah, that's very exciting. But Let's keep in mind, I'll be 60 next year, and in, in Los Angeles, I'll be 64. Right. So, you know, that's that's not a really good excuse not to take part. But, you know, again, I'll go with the flow if my body still feels like it's it can do that. I know mentally I'm in a much better place to deal with it and to um, enjoy it more. And if the right horse is in place at that time, then yes, of course, I'd be more than happy to compete in L.A. Yeah. But um, it did cross my mind after possibly six Olympic Games next year to, <laughs> you know, to look a little bit more towards retirement from the international competition. You know, it's well, not so much retiring in general, but, you know, just the from the international show scene. Yeah, and I certainly understand that. And I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I saw the the term, what was the oldest 
uh, medalist. Uh, right. Oldest, right. I saw that term tossed around a lot and I was like, oh, I'm sure he loves to hear that. But um, you, you know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm just super excited that I can still keep up with, um, with a lot of writers that are half my age. Yes. You know, yeah. I take um, physical fitness very seriously. I, um, you know, swim every morning. And um, I've taken very good care of my body over the years. Mm -hmm. um, just didn't take very good care of my mind. And that's clearly changing now as well. Right. Well, let's think positively. We're going to think positively that we might see you in good. 2028 in L.A. <laughs> right. I like That's that great. idea. But if, yeah. yeah, go I with mean, the flow. I would say, why not? Yeah, I would clearly <laughs> right. say, why not? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so circling around to this fall, um, which I realized November, when you're in Massachusetts with us, will you have been, you'll have been competing right in the middle of competing and trying to qualify, right? So how's that, how's your fall going to look? I think we're going to have the first CDI late November. It's either a week before or a week after Thanksgiving. So oh my goodness. We're we're good at that time. And then um, you know, just possibly a few national shows before. And then the requirements for the Olympic Games are three international competitions. Mm -hmm. And two of them we have to do the Grand Prix and the Grand Prix special. And at one of them we have to do the Grand Prix and the Grand Prix freestyle. Okay. So we'll we'll see you right before your show in late yes. November. <laughs> so exactly. maybe we'll be a nice break for you. <laughs> yes, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your uh what's your favorite thing about presenting at an expo like Equine Affair? Is there something you just are really looking forward to about it? Yeah, there's two things. I think um it doesn't matter what type of rider, what type of horse if the rider wants to learn and if the horse is in the same shoes and it wants to learn um you, there's always some improvement that you can make and you know i came from a system where sarcasm and negativity was um the daily schedule um mm -hmm. i just believe that that system um is not necessary i'm not saying that it's wrong because they the Germans bring out a lot of good riders, but even there, things have changed and it's not as militant anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I like to bring across that no matter what, you can turn any session into something positive. And uh, that's the one thing. And um, like I mentioned before, you've been very upfront and very open about mental health. Mm -hmm. And I love to do um, theory classroom sessions where I talk a little bit about my own experience. And um, at that time, I don't like to give advice to anyone. I just share simply what I went through and how destructive, um, you know, single negative thoughts can be and how repetitive single negative thoughts can be and how much damage it doesn't just do to your mind, but your entire body. So I'm looking forward to share that with um, with everyone. I think that's going to be really important to hear. And it's really important for me to hear that. And uh, it's making me think about uh, 
one of my favorite grad school professors, she would always say garbage in, garbage out. So if you're yes. putting if you're putting garbage into your mind, if you're thinking these yes. negative things like, oh, I'm gonna mess up or I'm so stupid yes. or I'm so whatever, that's what you're gonna put out. And then it's yes. like this horrible self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and um what what I for instance what I've learned over the years, um I think when people say thick skin, it's it's a little bit more like installing a filter when you hear something, when you see something, you know, where you can clearly analyze, do I really need to think about this? Does this really need to enter my brain? Mm-hmm. Is it might enter, but does it need to stay there? Does it really require that much thought? And um, I've learned that letting go and um, even being easier with myself is a much, much healthier way of living. You know, I used to take things way too serious. And let's face it, Olympic Games, it's pretty serious business. Well, but, you did a little um, bit. Even there, yeah. <laughs> but but even there, being, being lighthearted about it and um, always su- su- extremely supportive for your teammates, um, that has become my my obsession, my goal. and. The flow in life yeah uh, how how do you keep it light at the olympics with your teammates you mentioned that so how do you how do you guys keep it light when you're when you're riding on the line um look it's all in the preparation mm-hmm. and i feel when i when i train every single day i you know when my horse makes a mistake that's one thing but i never compromise when my horse doesn't feel quite light enough in the contact, when my horse is not quite sensitive enough to the leg. So this this whole idea of making a horse extremely rideable, that it's 99% in self-carriage, willing to move forward sideways, willing to come back into a collective gait. When all those basics are working, there's a much, much better chance that it's um, that you can go through a test without mistakes. And uh, when this rideability, this this natural self carriage, is not there, um, the the room for error becomes much much bigger. So this whole idea of having a horse that's so willing and so rideable and so positive about the work makes life a whole lot easier and more enjoyable, and um, it gives you a whole lot more confident confidence when you. Uh, come with the horse to the Olympic Games that offers exactly that, what I just talked about. Yeah. And I imagine keeping keeping your horse light and confident, keeping you light and confident, that just means that everybody feels a little more lighter and a little more confident, even behind exactly. the scenes. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> this might be the same, you might have the same answer to this question that you just gave, but what is something that you think every dressage rider needs to know or understand about the sport, regardless of whether they're riding at your level or they're riding in their backyard? Yeah, there's um, two things. You know, the one that I just mentioned, doing mm-hmm. everything we can to get a horse to move forward easily, sideways easily, making a horse extremely supple and making it very adjustable horizontally and, and vertically. I think that's the one thing and truly understanding what the contact is all about. Um, that's one thing. And then 
I like to call it very mindful writing mm. because um, it can be a very frustrating sport because just because a horse did something perfectly the day before, that doesn't mean it's going to do it the next day again. And of course, that can lead to a lot of frustration. And when somebody doesn't ride mindful enough and the frustration takes over, then people can react sometimes a bit aggressive with their horses. Mm -hmm. And that can be eliminated when fear is not part of riding and when a horse is truly in, in self-carriage and does the movements very expressively with very little aiding from the rider. Um, I think that's the essence of the sport. And that's what I'd like to uh, teach every single day. You know, that it's um, that we're mindful when frustration or fear kicks in, that we take a little breath, take a little time out, and that we, no matter what, that we keep things positive. It is doable. Absolutely. Well, I love that. That gives me, I have so much, you've given me so much to look forward to now. Like I'm hoping I can Good. come and, and listen into some of your sessions in the middle of rushing around because I, I just think you have so much of value to offer. And I, I know that our audiences are super excited that you're coming. So thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to me on the podcast. We, I was so excited. So thank you. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. So how hard was it for you during that interview not to just be a fangirl? And uh, it was pretty hard. I mean, I <laughs> so in me, fangirling uh, presents itself as extreme anxiety. So I was a nervous wreck all oh, were day. You? Uh, oh, <laughs> and then yeah, I couldn't all be day, there. <laughs> all day long. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm interviewing. How am I going to, you know, and I'm like doing research and I'm chatting with a friend of mine who had sort of an inside. He was able I was like, OK, what should I talk to him about? And he's giving me all these great ideas. Um, so I had some support and then I kept like checking with my husband. I was like, tell me I'm cool. Tell me I can do this, you know, get, pump me up. So uh, but then once we got into the interview, I mean, Stefan's such a cool guy and everything melted away and it was just fun and then afterward i'm like oh my gosh i just talked to him for half an hour like <laughs> what the and i didn't sound like an idiot yay <laughs> well <laughs> so that's done. fangirling well for done. me <laughs> <laughs> i know it is hard when you talk to big names you know i've done it so long that i don't think about it anymore but i remember i remember what it was like you're a big name. No, I'm just no. It's just uh, you know I don't get as nervous talking to big names now. If uh, if you put a big name celebrity like Kaylee Kuko, I might not be able to say a word. So yeah. you know, no, I just you. remember you know they're just people. Yeah, they are. They're just do people. cool things. <laughs> and you know, they do cool things. Yeah, and I'm glad you got into some of his cool things. I, yes. I appreciate that too. Yes. Uh, I I have never done those cool things. So uh, I admire you. I admire him for that. Yeah. Well, uh, how about Equine Affair? One of the things everybody always looks at about this time when they're planning the trip to Equine Affair, one is buying tickets, getting their Fantasia tickets in order, and then also what hotel they're going to stay at. And there's usually a recommended list of hotels. That is, on, is it on the website yet? It is on that website. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. Because I always so, rely on that to book my hotel. As well you should and everyone should. We have host hotels that our business manager, Lori, has been chatting with for a while and getting all the deets on that um, so if you go to our website you make sure you're on the massachusetts event 
and you go to attend and then the drop down and you click on host hotels you'll see a lovely list of host hotels and Lori even puts the distance from the event in parentheses after each hotel name so okay. you know exactly how close you're going to be or how far if if that's your jam um and then of course we have room blocks um and discounted rates at most of the properties um and so when you call make sure you mention you're with equine affair and you'll get that discounted rate Sounds good, and I know there's a lot of people planning their Christmas shopping already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and now you've got to definitely go by the two locations of Fairhill Saddlery when you come to the event so that you can shop with them and Sounds everybody else who's there. Sounds good. And, of course, it's equineaffair.com. Uh, you can check out Equine Affair on the Facebook page or on the YouTube channel. And you can follow Horses in the Morning. If you want to hear all the past episodes of the Equine Affair, just go to horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page. You'll see the Equine Affair banner. Just click on that, and it brings you to all the past episodes. Uh, and it is, of course, Thursday, so we will be back tomorrow with another episode. I'll have a special guest host because Jamie's off this week, but we'll be doing really bad ads and all the usual stuff. I think Dr. Wendy is joining us tomorrow uh, with her broken leg and oh. all. So oh, no. She can't do anything <laughs> else right now because of her leg surgery. So she's going to be oh. joining me because she has nothing else to do. Uh, but we'll be back here tomorrow with that. Uh, and uh, Allison, thanks again for another great show. Thank you. And we'll see you guys all at Equine Affairs.